Welcome to Cornerstone, a podcast by Rebuild Fellowship. On today's episode, Pastor KJ returns to bring us a message which is titled, Generosity Gone Wrong. This message will contrast what Pastor Chuck talked about in our previous message to illustrate how generosity can go wrong in the life of a believer. The text for this message can be found in Acts chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, please turn them to Acts chapter 5 right now as we join in with Pastor KJ. Well, Pastor Chuck opened up our series on generosity last week. We are still in our Bearing Witness series that uh, we've been going through for the entire year in the book of Acts. Uh, This month, we're focusing specifically on generosity. And Pastor Chuck opened last week with a quote from Lily Hardy Hammond that said, you don't pay love back, you pay it forward. And I love that quote. It's a great cornerstone thought for us as we get our mind around generosity because what it's saying to us is that being generous is a response to something God has already done. So God has given to us generously, and we don't just give back to Him. We give back to Him and we pay it forward by giving to others. This is a great way to set up our Christian attitude towards giving and generosity. Our response to God's generous love towards us should be to pay it forward. Well, Pastor Chuck also um, had us in Acts 4, and we're going to be actually going back there again in a little bit. But he gave us four things to consider for when giving goes right. First, he told us when giving goes right, it exalts Christ Jesus. Secondly, when giving goes right, it becomes the ethos of the church, the the, the characteristic, the divining quality of the church. The third thing is that it elevates the community, not just the individual, but the whole community. And then the fourth thing is that it executes the Great Commission. Well, today we're going to look at what happens when giving goes wrong. Pastor Chuck gave us what happens when giving goes right. This week we're going to look at what happens when giving goes wrong. As I mentioned, we're going to start out in Acts 4.32. If you want to go ahead and turn there, we're going to get there in a second. And then we're going to move into chapter 5 and the story of Ananias and Sapphira. But before we get there, I want to remind us of the big picture of God's story to help us to make sense of the smaller snapshot stories that we're going to look at. So here's the big picture. The story of the Bible is the gospel of the kingdom of God. It's the good news of the kingdom of God. Here we we go. God is the creator of everything and has designed his creation with specific purpose of building his kingdom. Let me say that again. God is the creator of everything and has designed his creation with the purpose of building his kingdom. This is, the, this is the beginning of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Here's what I mean. Everything functions best when it functions according to its design. Right? We understand that. We know technology, computers, telephone. Telephones. Who says telephone? Cell phones. Right? Technology, it's amazing when we use it according to the way it was designed to be used. Same thing is true of people, right? Our bodies function best when we diet and exercise and get enough sleep. I understand that better now at 49 than I did at 29. As an athlete, we know that certain foods at certain times with the right amount of sleep along with total body exercise helps us to perform at peak performance. It helps us to perform at our very best. It seems ridiculous to to think about this now. I was competitive as an athlete in the 80s and 90s, and I didn't think much about any of those things. 
Um, in fact, the way that I thought about exercise beyond like the sport I was playing, like the thought of lifting weights was like, no, it's going to throw my shot off or it's going to wear me out or it's going to tire me out. I didn't think that it could actually make me a better athlete. I thought what I naturally had was the extent of what I had. And so I didn't, I didn't spend time lifting weights or doing these other things that I should have done that we know now, nor did I spend time eating the way that I ought to have eaten. Um, I, I think about, you know, how, again, how ridiculous this seems. But when I was coaching, uh, I played professionally for a few years, uh, halftime, timeouts, guys would be smoking cigarettes on their break, right, on the way to games, chugging Jolt Cola and, and packets of, of dry Jello packets to try to get that sugar rush, right, not, not understanding that everything is just going to come crashing down in a short period of time, right? We just didn't fully understand what we know now. So we know more about peak performance now than we did. We understand better now how the body works and how it was designed to work so that we can actually maximize it. And knowing that and understanding that actually impacts everything. Here's what we have to remember, going back to, to this big picture story. If God is the creator of everything, then it means that we are creations. And our Creator has an intended purpose for us to function at peak performance. And not just physically, although also physically, we ought to take that seriously, but also spiritually and emotionally. When we live outside of His design, we simply are living at a lower standard than we were made for. And therefore likely to encounter more challenges and difficulties and resistance as a result of living below the standard that we were designed to live at. So how do we know how to live at our, designed, uh, at our intended design? Well, God has given us several things. In the Old Testament, we have the Ten Commandments. These are the principles for living according to the way God designed us to live. And in the Ten Commandments, we have two, two directions. We have the vertical direction of right relationship with God. And we also have the horizontal relationship of right relationship with people. And so to live out the way that we were intended to at, at peak performance in our design is to be in right relationship with God, ourselves, and others and the world around us. We see the exact same thing in the New Testament. Jesus opens up his ministry by preaching the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, Luke 6 and 7. And Jesus is laying out the principles of the kingdom and how to live in right relationship with God. Again, the vertical relationship, but then also the horizontal relationship with one another. In fact, understanding the term righteousness in Scripture ought to be understood as right relationships. So righteousness is when we actually live in the right relationship that God intended with him, with ourselves, and with others in the world around us. That's how God intended for us to live. It's what he has given us in scripture to understand. So that's the first thing. There's a specific design and purpose in creation for us. Here's the second thing. Human beings are stewards in God's kingdom. That's the primary role that we play. We are stewards. What is a steward? A steward is someone who manages someone else's stuff. Think of it this way. God owns everything. We own nothing. Nothing. God owns it all. We care for and cultivate his whole creation, which includes the earth and the air, as well as people and cultures and governments and systems and structures. 
That's what we do as stewards. We care for what is not ours, but what is God's. So within creation, God has set us up to be stewards. Here's the third thing in this gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, is that as stewards, we are blessed to be a blessing to the world. So God has entrusted us to care for his creation. We are blessed when we live according to his design. And we bless others as a result of living according to that design. We receive benefits of the blessing. But our benefit is only part of the purpose of the blessing. God is building his kingdom through his people. So our blessings are to be dispensed out into the world. What we have received, we give. What we have seen and experienced, we reflect back into the world. It's important for us to understand that God sees our hearts and motives and works in our lives to address what is below the surface. Our blessings are tailored specifically to us and what God is doing in our lives to draw us more closely to himself. Which means I can't look sideways at the blessing that someone else receives and think, I wish I had that blessing. Or, you know what I would do if I had that blessing? Right? That's not the way it works. We saw this in action in our study of uh, First and Second Peter in, in reflecting on Peter's relationship with Jesus uh, and going all the way back to um, uh, the Gospel of, of Luke when, Jesus, uh, when Peter encounters Jesus on the beach after having denied him. Uh, and they have this beautiful uh, moment of reconciliation and restoration. And then Jesus proceeds to tell Peter how he's going to die. And Peter's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What about this guy? And he's pointing over to John. And Jesus is like, don't worry about what I have planned for John. That's specific to John. I'm talking to you about what I have planned for you and how you need to respond as a result of it, right? It's the same idea, that God is tailoring the blessings that he gives specifically to us and through us because he is also at work transforming us into his image. The blessings that God gives should produce shalom or peace in our lives and the lives of the world around us, even in the midst of chaos. Sometimes we think that, that we ought to receive blessings and that those ought to remove all the problems, all the challenges, all the chaos around us. But that's not the way it works. We receive blessing even in the midst of chaos and dispense blessing even in the midst of chaos. All right, before we get to our story, let me give us a little context of the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Last week, Pastor Chuck uh, talked with us about the end of Acts chapter 4, how, the, how the, the disciples had everything in common. And we saw this beautiful um, picture of them sharing everything, united together, the power of the Holy Spirit at work. God's stewards, the disciples, are unified around God's purposes, giving them access to the power of the Holy Spirit which blesses them and leads to blessing and transformation all around them. That's the good news of the kingdom. That's what God intends to do in his kingdom. Then we have our story, Acts 5, 1 through 11. Then starting in verse 12, we have another story similar to the Acts 4 story, where there's unity of all, of everyone together, all the believers together. They have access to the power of the Holy Spirit, which leads to transformation and multitudes coming to faith. Again, this is the good news of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. This is what God wants to do. Sandwiched in between those two amazing pictures of the work of what God is doing is this story of Ananias and Sapphira that we're going to look at. I think it's important to understand the context. This is a Bible study principle for us. That context is king. 
We need to understand what is going on around it. If we're just pulling verses out, we're actually likely to be misunderstanding what God is actually saying. We need to understand the context in which it was written uh, so that we can understand fully what God is saying. And so in this context, when we look at what happens before and what happens after, we see the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And I think it's significant because it was threatening to undermine everything that God was doing. Everything that he wanted to do. The good news of the kingdom was being threatened by Ananias and Sapphira. So let's read Acts 4. We're going to start in verse 32, read uh, what Pastor, Tut, uh, Pastor Chuck taught us last week, uh, and then we're going to read through verse 11 of chapter 5. So follow with me. Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind. Note the unity here. And no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. Again, note the focus on the whole community, not just the individual. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them. The unity and community focus here, it resourced the apostles and provided grace for everyone. Didn't mean that everyone had the same gift. We see that, right? The apostles were the ones uh, performing some of these miracles, but their unity allowed everyone to use their gift, and that's how the kingdom works. We don't all have the same gift, but we're all intended to use the gift that we have for the entire community. Ephesians, the, the book of Ephesians, talks all about that. All right, back to Acts 4, verse 34. For there was not a needy person among them, because all those who owned land or houses sold them brought the proceeds of what was sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. This is how God intended for the church to function. And I believe this is why the church thrives in places where great oppression exists. Because it forces the church to be generous. It forces the church to take what little they have and be willing to share it with others. To have the posture that God intended that we lose because of our affluence and materialism and consumerism. We no longer are generous. We become hoarders. And we don't look out for one another. We look out for ourselves. But more on that later. Let's get back to our verses. Verse 36. So Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, the one the apostles called Barnabas, we've, we've talked about Barnabas a lot, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is an example of what was going on. Now, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, just like Barnabas. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you planned this thing in your heart? You have not lied to people, but to God. When he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead, and a great fear came on all who heard. The young men got up, wrapped his body, carried him out, and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Tell me, Peter asked her, did you sell the land for this price? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes, she said, for that price. Then Peter said to her, why did you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Instantly, she dropped dead at his feet. 
When the young men came in, they found her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. Then great fear came on the whole church and on all who heard these things. This is a strange story, even a frightening story. And I want us to understand what's going on here. So, so we're going, last week, Pastor Chuck gave us four things to consider when giving goes right. Today, we're going to look at four things to consider when giving goes wrong. And we're actually going to use the same four things that Pastor Chuck shared with us. We're just going to modify them a little bit. And that's where we'll stop and pause for today. Thank you for taking your time with us today. If you'd like to learn more about our church or have us pray for you in any way, you can find us at www.rebuildchurch.com. That is www.rebuildchurch.com. Our church meets in Durham, North Carolina, and if you're looking for a church to attend, we'd love to have you join us. We meet weekly at 10 a.m. on Sunday, and you can find more details about what to expect and where we are on our website. You can also find our full services on our YouTube channel. Please join us on our next episode as Pastor KJ continues his message titled, Generosity Gone Wrong. 